Hello, everybody, and welcome to a, an episode of Transformative Teaching, a Facet at IU podcast. I'm your host, Michael Maroney, and I have the privilege of being here with Carrie Meyer, newly promoted associate professor in criminal justice at IU East. That's really exciting. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm glad to be here today. And you did celebrate, right? We, we were talking about that a little bit. What, what did you end up doing, actually? Um, we just kind of went out to eat and just, you know, got like old fashioned treats and stuff. So old fashioned treats. What are those? Um, kind of like stuff from my childhood. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, cool. Like Dairy Queen ice cream cake. <laughs> just like stuff you love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you felt happy like a kid. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. It was one of those things. It was, it was very nice. I was and Carrie, Carrie, you are a member of the FACET class of 2022. So um, uh, recently inducted into FACET when we were down in uh, near Louisville. Yes. And uh, did you have a good time at that retreat? I did. Um, it was a really great experience. I, I got to talk with a lot of different people, uh, attend a lot of different panels. So I had a really good time. I, it was it was fun. Yeah, that's I, I always love that. You get to see folks from all over the university, all the different campuses. And um, it really does feel like a community, doesn't it? Yeah. And, it, and you get really good ideas too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, because that's something that I really like about teaching conferences in particular is you get really good ideas about pedagogy. Mm -hmm. And like, I didn't really learn a lot about pedagogy until I became a faculty member like my graduate education training, which I assume is a, a lot of people's experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Quantitative, like, like, man, I can, I can run circles around data, but ask me about how to teach students. And I was pretty stumped. So a lot of what I learned is on the job education. And, you know, it's something that I've really embraced. And, you know, I, I love challenging myself in new ways. And, doing really cool things for my students so that's awesome is there so since you since you put it this way that that, that like you kind of learned on the job mm -hmm. that means you probably had like some light bulb moments in, yeah. the, in the classroom or during a, a over a whole semester Did yeah. you, would you be willing to share one of those yeah sure sure um so basically when I started out teaching um I started out at FSU and my class was gigantic. Mm -hmm. I had like over 100 students, huge lecture hall, and I would have these things that I wanted to do that I did as an undergrad, like mm -hmm. papers and stuff like that. And I remember my major professor being like, Carrie, no. <laughs> you have 100 students. <laughs> do you realize what you're about to get yourself into? Gotcha. <laughs> like, no. You know, so then I kind of came up with um, one of my first assignments I came up with was pop culture criminology. Mm. Uh, so I basically allowed it's my a catchy name. Yeah. And I allowed my students to take a book, movie, comic book, video game mm. and apply criminological theory to it. And they loved it. That's like, cool. They were like, they were like, oh man, I get to talk about, you know, this awesome video game I like and kind of explain why so-and-so is a villain or I get to talk about the movie of the day or something. So it allowed them to be really creative 
in a way that didn't give me thousands of pages of papers to grade. Um, so it that kind of set me off starting to be successful and starting to be really creative in the classroom. And then once I got to IU East, I kind of started trying new things and doing new things every single semester, um, particularly with active learning and experiential learning. Mm -hmm. I really like doing activities with my students and getting them to kind of think about that application and how to do it. Um, because often when we stand in front of the classroom, and that's what many students expect, is that we're going to stand in front of the classroom, I'm going to talk at them for an hour and 15 minutes, they're going to jot down some notes, and then they're going to go along their merry way. It's like, but then when I suddenly say, okay, guys, now we're going to do plea bargain, and <laughs> half of you are going to be prosecutors, half of you are going to be defense attorneys, here's essentially this wild case I'm going to give you, and then they have to act it out, you know, suddenly it takes on like a new dynamic. So how big are, how big are your classes there where you're um, doing something like this kind like, of activity? It's about 20 some students. Okay. Um, I have done plea bargain with about 60 students. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend that. <laughs> I had to have my SI help me. She was my district attorney. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And I was, I'm the judge. So whenever I do plea bargain, I'm the judge. So I dress up like a judge. Oh, wow. Okay. And I have my little gavel uh -huh. and I like bang it. In the class. Oh, that's awesome. I'll, yeah. So I'll like get them into like the, you know, the, the, um, the spirit of it. Mm -hmm. And I set up the adversarial system by basically saying, okay, prosecutors, you're basically representing the state. So you want as many of these charges to stick as possible because mm -hmm. these are serious charges and, you know, we need to protect the community. And then for defense attorneys, I'm like, okay, defense attorneys, you're representing your client. You want as many of these charges to be dropped or dismissed as possible. So they're already butting heads, which is often our system is what our system is. So it kind of already gets them set up. And you get to be the judge. I mean, do you, do you make them, do you make them stand before, when you walk in? Hear ye, hear ye, I make Judge Meyer. I make them come up to me um, and do. I have to approve the plea deal. Okay. Um, so basically sometimes I will challenge them mm -hmm. and like judges do, you know, yeah, yeah. and often judge, like, especially I'll, um, a lot of times I'll challenge drug charges. <laughs> Because okay. students will want to either drop them or mm. be really harsh on them. And then I'll be like, well, don't you know, like our, our community takes cannabis really seriously. Like we need to make sure we're sending a message on this. We cannot have the scourge of marijuana in our community, you know, or I'll like conversely <laughs> be like, oh, come on. Like, I can't believe you're charging this so hard. It's just a little bit of weed. I don't want to see that drug charge on there, you know, and so I'll challenge them to like kind of go back and rewrite their pleas, which is kind of interesting. So, so how does this work? I mean, so you've got, uh, you've got the two, you've got your two sides <laughs> and do they like collaborate and like have a head of prosecutor and a yes, head? They, okay. So basically what I do is I give them a case and I'll basically lay out all the charges broken in this case. Um, essentially, my defendant is a student who drank way too much alcohol, got 
into an, a, a fight, got behind the wheel of a car and created all this chaos. And then when they were stopped by law enforcement, uh, drugs were found in their car and they lashed out the police. So there's all these charges that were basically leveled against this defendant. And so I essentially give my students like this gigantic case yeah. and I give them um, Indiana statute for these crimes. So I say like what they would be classified as, um, how much that entails, such as um, if it's a misdemeanor, if it's a felony, uh, if they're gonna go to prison or jail, if they have fines attached. So I give them all this context information so then they can use that to their advantage to argue for you know, um, what penalty should be attached. And it's so funny because sometimes I'll get students that like, they pick up on like the smallest details and then they like argue it. Yeah, you know, I had a, um, I had a one student who was acting as a prosecutor and they were like, this individual potentially had drugs in their car. And then the defense attorney was like, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He like highlighted like that. This yeah, sure. You think so, right? You know, yeah. and it was so funny. Like it just it that doesn't hard. sound like uh, without a reasonable doubt. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> potentially, you know. And so it's just so it's so interesting, like how students will play these roles and what they will do. Yeah. And, um, the first time I did this, I had a student hold out and not make a plea deal, so mm. they went to trial. You know. Okay. Wow. <laughs> So that's awesome. Just, so are you are you te like teaching them procedure? Is that what the class yeah, is about? So okay. Essentially, I'm talking to them about the plea bargain process. Okay. Um, which is how most cases are resolved in the yeah. criminal justice system. And yeah. just kind of showing them how pleas are done, you know, because and, and I'm doing it like the most extreme way, which is mm -hmm. this really extreme case and most of these charges an actual prosecutor wouldn't even go after or they would just highly diminish you know yeah, and just right. kind of give like a lump okay here's probation or a lump you know like six months suspended sentence or something like that they wouldn't take all of these charges to court but I'm just kind of showing them like the extremes of what could potentially happen in a situation. Um, and do they like follow up with like some sort of reflection paper or yes. something like that? Yeah, oh, okay. I typically will yeah. give them a reflection on the exercise and yeah. what their roles were and like what they learned from it and mm -hmm. like if they think it's accurate. And I usually like to do a breakdown of like how they sentence afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, one semester, so like my defendant's name is Chris which is just a very like gender neutral name. Yeah. Um, but one semester I actually assigned a gender and a race to Chris and the uh, black defendants were sentenced much more harshly than well, they were. They were like, okay. and it was, so that was pretty eye opening, you know, and I was able to show them that in this context, like you have the exact same case and yet this like unconscious I mean, this bias. Is, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. It's, it, and so that was able to demonstrate to them how unconscious bias can impact outcomes like please and how that's part of our system. So like, I really like doing certain exercises like that because it enables me to be very creative with my students in the classroom.
Yeah, I mean, that's that's great. And I'm kind of curious, um, where did you get the idea for this activity? So I basically did plea bargain when I was an undergraduate. Okay, okay. <laughs> One of my um, courts teachers at IPFW mm-hmm. actually had us do plea bargain in our courts class. And we had to take on the role of prosecution and defense. So we had to do both sides. And then we also had to do... Um, the defendant. We also had to be the defendant role. And then some of us would be pro se, which is basically, we don't have a lawyer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And essentially we would get railroaded <laughs> by the prosecutor. Which happens we a lot of times when people go pro yes. se. Yeah, so, exactly. so then it kind of like showed us like the importance of having an attorney representation, the importance of this system that we have set up and how plea bargaining is kind of meant to keep our system moving, you know, that if we didn't have plea bargaining, essentially our system would grind to a halt. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious, Um, a lot of times when we try things like this, um, they don't always work. Have you ever had a time where this just kind of went in a different way than you were expecting? And if that happened, how did you deal with it? I feel like a lot of times, and and I'm sure a lot of um, faculty have this exact same feeling that I do, um, that that you have these great ideas in your head and you're like, yeah, that'll be so cool. And then you go into- I've had that one. (laughs) And then you go into the classroom and you try it out and then students are just like, meh, you know? And then it makes you feel like, five inches tall, you know, and mm-hmm. like, I think we've all unfortunately had things like that. Sure. Um, I had a, one of my addictions class, I uh, had my students do a round, kind of like a round robin on a book called Animals and Psychedelics, which by the way, highly recommend, it's an awesome book. But then I uh, neglected to <laughs> plan in whether or not my students would actually read the book. And um, they did it. <laughs> So Whoops. I would be like asking them, okay, you talk about the ca- the chapter on cows. And then they were like, uh, oh, uh, I didn't read that. And then I'd be like, okay, well, you were supposed to read the chapter on reindeer. Oh, I didn't read that one. All right. Well, you were supposed to do slugs. Oh, I didn't read that. You know, so then, we, so then it kind of devolved into a conversation about cats and catnip. Okay. Because all of them have had the experience of having a cat and having, seeing them under the influence of catnip. Yeah. So that was kind of how our conversation <laughs> was kind of influenced from then on. Um, but then I gave them like a second chance to actually do the reflection I asked them sure. to do, sure. you know. So sometimes you do have to kind of be willing to be flexible in the classroom and kind of fall back on something else. Um, I think if that happened to me now, I would probably just like play a video about, you know, animals drinking or something like that, or, you know, inebriated birds or something, you know, but that was definitely a learning experience. (laughs) Like, hmm, what do I do if I'm like kind of relying on students to kind of meet me halfway? Mm-hmm. And um, that's something I currently deal with right now. And I'm trying to do like a hybrid model 
which mm -hmm. kind of like relies on my students to read ahead of time and come with that knowledge to class. And then when I'm trying to kind of like review that knowledge and kind of be like, oh, so do you guys remember this theory? They kind of give me blank stares, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've kind of learned that I have to almost build in review time in class. Like I've kind of almost just started building in review time to be like, okay, guys, we're going to take like 10, 15 minutes. I want you to review this section. Oh, I want you to review this section. I want you to review this section, start taking notes. And then when I, once I start covering it, I'm going to ask you to give your notes first, you know, and then yeah. we'll start building it in, you know? And so that's just been something that I've had to start incorporating. And it's not always like, you know, it's not always like student insubordination or anything like that. It's not like they are just like openly defying me. It's just a lot of times they just don't have time. You know, they're busy. Yeah. They have their own lives, they have their own families, they have their work schedules. So then when it comes time to, okay, guys, we're doing this activity for class. Did you do it? They're like, oh, well, uh, <laughs> kind of <laughs> about that, about that, you know, yeah. Or, yeah, about <laughs> you know? That. <laughs> so, it, so then you kind of have to like, build in a little bit of leeway into mm -hmm. the class in order to help meet those expectations. I mean, it's uh, about, it's about them learning. I mean, exactly, you, want, you want them exactly. to learn. Um, I was told yeah. one semester and as I was coming back from COVID, um, this was something that like I struggled with a lot because there was just a lot of chaos in the classroom coming back from COVID. And like, I just, like felt like I was butting heads with my students like this whole time. And there was a couple of things that helped me during that time. Um, one of them was the book Geeky Pedagogy, which mm -hmm. I highly recommend. Yep. It was a great book. We had a learning community on it at IU East that semester. And it was a great book. Like it helps you really think about your craft from a student perspective. Yep. Because some of us get so excited about what we do. And we're like, yeah, this is the best subject in the world. Everybody should love this. And we have to remember that students aren't us, you know, and that I have to then get them excited about this in a way that might not come naturally to them. So we have to kind of reach out that way and kind of bridge that gap. And we also have to encourage a growth mindset. And in order to encourage a growth mindset, we have to embrace failure. And I think that students often just get petrified of being wrong. They don't want to be wrong. And it's like, okay, it's okay to be wrong. <laughs> Trust me. It's like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, you didn't know this. You're so dumb. No, I would never do that. You know, never. Like, it's okay to be wrong. You know, like you have to learn how to walk. You have to learn how to take steps to get to the spinal level. So it's okay, you know? And I think helping students embrace that is one of our jobs. And that so, was- So I've got, I've got follow-up on that one yeah. and the enthusiasm piece. Cause yes. you, were, you were talking about how yes. you've got your enthusiasm for your discipline and mm -hmm. the students may or may not have that, um, but you feel like uh, you need to help them have this enthusiasm. So. Do you have some like go-to things that you like to do besides being enthusiastic yourself, which I can yeah. tell you are? <laughs> yeah, I think like 
obviously I think my attitude in the classroom does fuel a lot of it. Sure. Um, I think another thing that I was going to follow up with that for the last one was saying, think about why I'm doing something. Like really think about why I'm doing something and why I have a policy in place and why I have my rubrics and why I have my instructions. Is it about control or is it about helping them learn? You know, and why do I do the things I do? And I realized that some of the things I did was about controlling my environment and like controlling the chaos. And it wasn't necessarily about what was best for students. So shifting that mindset a bit really helped me, <laughs> you know, okay. kind yeah, of makes sense. Not, not brush off the small stuff, like don't sweat the small stuff mm-hmm. and kind of like pay attention to what was best for them and what was best for helping them. I also like it really helps me to think of things as skill building and what skills do I want students to take away when they're in my classroom? Because again, for us as instructors, we think of things like, oh, go out and research this, right? Yes. Like we, may, yeah. we may tell a student, go research this, go do this. And then they're like sitting there like, uh, d- do you mean type it into Google? <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, or now chat GPT. Yeah, there you go. It, right? So this is where, you know, we have to help students like, understand what we mean by doing research. So I'll have people come into the classroom from the library and I'll have them walk students through it and be like, this is how you use the databases. This is how you do search terms. This is how you filter out articles. And like, I'll show them like exactly what I want, you know? So then that helps them build that skill, you know? And then I help them scaffold it over the semester. So it's not just a, here's a portfolio, it's due in two weeks. It's here's a portfolio, it's due in 16 weeks, but we're going to be building it bit by bit. I'm going to be giving you feedback along the way so that by the time you turn it in at the end of the semester, you're going to be really confident. You're going to like what you turn in. You're going to understand theory. You're going to understand research. And I want you to genuinely do good work. So then that, I think that mindset really helps them be understanding of the material and mm-hmm. to be invested in the material. Um, as far as enthusiasm and things like that, I try to make it as applicable to the real world as I can. Um, I try to bring in news articles. I try to bring in speakers. I try to do career days. Um, I try to bring in those kind of like those dynamic experiences that it's hard to replicate in mm-hmm. other environments. And I think that that helps students feel enthusiastic yeah, about I mean, the material. Do, do, are you teaching mostly majors in your class or? <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Um, so in the past I did, I used mm-hmm. to teach a lot of criminal justice majors. Now I'm finding I get a lot of interdisciplinary students. I Mm -hmm. get students from psychology um, because a lot of them are interested in uh, forensic psychology and uh, like criminal psychiatry and stuff like that. So I get a lot of psych students. 
Um, I also get a lot of business students mm. because they are interested in forensic accounting and like mm. white collar crime okay. and things like that. So I've been, it kind of challenges me. I mean, sure. pushes me a little bit out of my comfort zone because I'm, even your career day would look yeah, a little bit different. Yeah. If you're in the career day, audience. especially. Yes. Yeah. In the career day, especially because sometimes students are like, Oh, I really want this career. Can you get somebody from this field? And then it kind of pushes me out. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> and then I'll get somebody from emergency management or I'll get nonprofits or I'll get government officials or, you know, stuff like that. Or canine canine is huge. Like so many students want to do canine oh, interesting. and they're just like, and so I had a, um, I have a couple of connections in Richmond PD and Wayne County sheriffs that are canine officers. So I talked with them, but I also had a canine come to my classroom. So <laughs> students got to see officer Bo in action. That is so cool. That was fun. You know, <laughs> was officer Bo a German shepherd? It's a Malinois, a German okay. Malinois. Okay. Yeah. A lot of the uh, newer canines are um, switching to Malinois mm. because they um, are more robust as a breed. Wow. Yeah. I, I remember they, I had a German Shepherd, so more yes. robust is like. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> that, German that means a lot. <laughs> there's still a lot of um, German Shepherds that are. Um, that are uh, in the canine field, but mm -hmm. now it's the Belgian Mal Malinois. Okay. Um, just because they are less prone to hip dysplasia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're similar looking dogs, yes, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. their commands are given in Dutch. Oh, okay. Yeah, so law enforcement officers learn how to speak to them in Dutch and yeah, learn how to give them their commands and stuff. So it's that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So your students got to meet meet Bo and. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it sounds like that you actually were responsive to them saying it would be great if you could bring in this kind of, yes. you know, yeah. Okay. That's great. That's great. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I think nice. that there's a lot of what you're doing here. It sounds like it's really kind of trying to figure out where your students are and meeting yes. them where they are. And I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I think that's, that's the hallmark of so many facet members excellence in teaching is that, that they are doing these things and, Sounds like your classes, um, you've come up with a lot of interesting uh, and fun things to do. Um, I, I, I was, I love the pop culture comic book thing. That's, that sounds like a blast. We've actually already been talking for 25 minutes. And okay. I, I always have a final question okay. that I like to ask. And it is, um, if, if, if you could give advice to uh, new instructors, what would you say would be the most important for the thing for them to do um, so that they can develop and become excellent instructors? Oh, man, that's kind of a, that's, that's a doozy. It's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, because you I, could give more than one thing. Okay. I was just going to say, I might, I might need to give more than one. Um, one, I would say build a community of fellow faculty members um, and just talk, like just talk to them because often you feel alone, like you feel alone in the classroom and you feel like no one understands what I'm going through. And I'm the only one that's dealing with this problem. But then when you open up like in a learning community or you open up at a training or you open up at like a conference like FACET, you realize, oh, wait, I'm not alone, you know, and mm -hmm. then someone else may have dealt with this. 
and they will have a solution for you, you know? So definitely reach out to others, not just in your department either, mm-hmm. outside your department as well. Because I mean, some of my best ideas have come from education faculty, have come from English faculty, mm-hmm. you know, have come from people that think about pedagogy a little bit different than I do in criminal justice. So That's great advice. it helps me, you know, it, it helps to have a community of people, not just in your discipline, but outside your discipline too. Mm-hmm. Um, go to trainings, go to workshops. Um, I've done the facet trainings on, um, you know, effective teaching in the classroom and I've done the active learning training. I know mm-hmm. there's now a DEI training, you yep. know, definitely take advantage of those because they're really good to help you out. When I had a rut in my hybrid classroom, the facet trainings on how to make your classroom more interactive, I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. And it helps, you know? So it's like, yes. rely on those things. Rely on those things because it'll make your life so much easier and you won't feel like you're banging your head against the wall. You I don't have also, to invent everything yourself. Yes, do don't you? reinvent the wheel. Yeah, don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Um, another thing I would say too is don't, be afraid to try something, you know, Mm -hmm. like if you have an idea and you're like, man, I really want to do this, you know, and just try it, just try it and see what happens. (laughs) You know, it's like Uh. we as faculty members are our own worst enemies and we are our most critical audience. Mm -hmm. And if something doesn't work out, we're going to be the first person to be like, man, that was dumb. Why'd I do this? Why, why, (laughs) why did I do this? That was a dumb idea, you know, but again, like we want our students to embrace this mindset of growth. Like we have to embrace this mindset of growth too, you know, and not every idea that we're going to have is going to be the most stellar idea. And it's not going to be the best thing in the world since sliced bread, you know, some of it is going to blow up in our faces, you know, and, but that's how we grow in our craft and that's how we learn. And that's how we encourage students to learn. So it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's You're okay. exactly right. Yeah, it's okay. You know, cause like, for example, I know you said you were going to talk to me about board games and I'm, I, I, we didn't have time. <laughs> no, it's okay. But my very first board game day I did, I had it in a full classroom of 20 students. And I had, I did it for a whole week and Mm -hmm. my students got burned. Like they were just, they were overwhelmed. I had games that were too complicated. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I was like, this is easy. But for them, they were like, oh, do what now? What do I do? I don't know what to do. This is too hard. So there's too many rules. (laughs) Yeah. So then I had to scale back. So then I had to take a step back and I had to scale it back to games that were easier for them Mm -hmm. to pick up. And then that enabled them to be more invested, you know, because then I had to think about it from their perspective of like, okay, is this game easy to pick up? Is this game easy to learn? Can I get through it in an hour and 15 minutes, you know? So that helped me kind of think of it from their perspective a little more. And my last game day I did, which was just a couple months ago, I only had half my class show up, you Mm. know? So in my head, I could be like, Ugh, this was a failure. Ugh, why'd I do this? You know, but I think it just helps me to reframe it in the future and think of new ways to get them involved. You know, mm-hmm. so that's all I really need to do. We can't. We ha- We can't remain stagnant. We have to. Yeah. We have to move. We have to move yes. with the times, pretty much. Yeah. Yes. 
Terry, this has been an awesome conversation and I loved getting to learn more about you. And um, I, I think that your your advice here at the end around building community, embracing our own growth and um, learning from our students when things don't go well. I mean, this, this is all, yeah, it's gold. No, it really is. <laughs> it, is. it really is. I mean, because even now, like even now that I have tenure and stuff, like I still, I tell my students every day when I walk into the classroom, I still get butterflies. Mm. I still get upset belt. I still get nervous belly. I still, I still talk way too fast. I still get, you know, I still get scared. Like, and this is what I do for my career. You know, it's like, it's like, so if I do, if I get this way and I'm a content expert, like it's okay for you. It's definitely okay for you guys to feel this way. Like, it's like, we're all in this together. It's like, it's, it's like, I still don't feel confident in what I do <laughs> and I still feel like I'm always learning and there's something new around the corner and some new thing I can embrace and, you know, ideas that kind of float around in my head and, you know, so that's kind of the fun part of my job is just, yeah, that sounds like fun <laughs> creative and how can I make this fun for me and them? <laughs> yeah. Well, you have a great rest of your day and thank you for joining us and everybody out there. Thank you and have a good one. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all.